much love. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. It's episode nine, <laughs> season five. Ravage Love, we're on fire. Firefighters <laughs> Week here on Ravage Love. How are you, Renee? I'm all right. Um, I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I told you earlier, I, I cut out a piece of wire from my mouth this morning and it's bugging the hell out of me. Yeah. So I, I don't know how sexy this lift is going to be. <laughs> Uh, we are recording this podcast over Easter weekend when everything is closed, and that's why Renee is stuck with a jaunty mouth um, until the end of the long weekend, because both you and I seem to only want to fuck up our teeth when it's a long weekend. Mm-hmm. I uh, famously shattered my front tooth when I was in elementary school, and it was also... Yeah, it was also Easter weekend, and so I had to look like Lloyd Christmas in absolute agony until the following Tuesday. And my doctor, my dentist, was like an hour and a half drive from where we lived because we were in a small town where we couldn't get a dentist. So it was like, oh boy, struggle bus. So your lisp sounds very sexy, Renee. So just thank you so much. Oh my God, lean into it. (laughs) Um, And then a firefighter will come save you. So I have to say, first and foremost, before we get into this week's episode, all I thought about was that TikTok of the guy. He looks like he's like a working class blue collar guy in his truck, just telling a story on TikTok about his attraction to firefighters. Have you seen this? No. Okay. So he's just like, he looks like a Jean-Guy that you and I would grow up with, right? Just like a typical blue collar dude. And he's just sitting in his car or in his truck. And it's like nighttime and the light's on. It's very funny. Anyways, I can't remember what his job is, but part of his job was they asked him, do you want to volunteer to help these firefighters with an exercise that they're doing? And what we're going to do is we're going to assign you like a card that's going to have the injury that you've experienced. And you're just going to sit there and hold your card up. And then they're going to come and they're going to come rescue you based on, you know, whether you have a broken leg or whatever. So he's like, you know, they told me this and he's like, my whole life, I always wondered like, why, what is the appeal of like women love like firefighters and soldiers and like all, and I was just like, what is the appeal? And he's like, and then I stood there with my little sign about my third degree burns. And he's like, and the biggest man in the world just like burst into the room and he's like, I'm going to take care of you. And like scooped me up and he's like, whoo, I got the vapors. (laughs) And he's like, I felt so small in his arms. And it's just like the most incredible thing. And so he's like, I get it, ladies. Now I get it. Like you want to feel held. You want to feel taken care of. You want to feel rescued. Um, And that is all I thought about this week. Because he's not wrong like i don't like a beefy man but when i hear that story and i think of like someone swooping in and being like i got you i'm like because like anyone who knows me knows what's my type renee what's my type of her dudes oh a short king tiny short kings like a man who looks like he needs a sandwich and is a foot t- shorter than me i'm like yes so i guess it's maybe i don't like I don't know. I don't know if it's because, like, I'm a tall person, and so I just think it's impossible that any man would ever be able to, like, pick me up, and so I've just given up on that fantasy. I do not know. Um, But I do think in terms of all of the cliched crushes that women have, or, like, the stereotypes of women, I mean, we both agree we don't fuck with cops. 
So like, I'm not going to date a cop and I don't want to date a soldier either. Anyone who knows me (laughs) knows that Jill alone don't fuck with soldier, but firefighters are like pretty neutral. Yeah. And here's the reason, Julie, is that they don't have access to firearms. Yes. That's right. And they're not about starting fires. Their only purpose is to put them out. So it's not like they're arsonists. Right. You're right. And they're not antagonizing because they can't show up and escalate a situation. Their whole job is to show up and literally put out fires, not set them. And so like, yeah, you have a car accident. They come with the jaws of life. It's called the jaws of life. Like they're already showing you that they're here to save you. And they can put those jaws of life on your pussy and (laughs) you are going to pound town. (laughs) Yeah. And like I, I once played baseball with a firefighter and he was very handsome. He was one of the ones that got picked for those like calendars, like those sexy firefighter calendars. He was in one of those. Nice. And he was like, yeah, like being a firefighter is the best because you get the hero status of like cops and soldiers or whatever. But he's like, you basically sit around, work out, eat, nap, and then show up, act the hero once in a blue moon and then go back to just working out and eating all the time. And I'm like, that does actually sound kind of sweet. And of course, like when you get called to work, like it's literally a life or death situation. But like if you're an urban firefighter, you're eating a lot of sandwiches, watching a lot of TV, doing a lot of push-ups, and then occasionally literally putting out fires. Sounds like a mm-hmm. pretty sweet job. So I'm saying. So I can see the appeal for this week, but I cannot see the appeal of the story <laughs> that I read. <laughs> Do you want to hear about my book? Tell me all about it. I'm going to say book, but that's a term I'm using real loosely because this entire story was 12 pages. (laughs) And I didn't. Can you even put out a fire in 12 pages? (laughs) No, he didn't even put out a fire. (laughs) (laughs) This book gets the award. I don't know if we want to start giving out awards, but this book gets the award for the most pointless story I've ever read. Like, I was like, is this a to-be-continued situation? And it blew my mind because it's called Igniting for You. And the subtitle is Alpha Firefighters. Mm -hmm. The cover is a extremely ripped man looking to the side, igniting for you. And the subtitle is Alpha Firefighters. The cover is a extremely ripped man looking to the side, pretty handsome. And it's by someone named Kayla Kelly. This book came out in 2020. And I just, I literally kept being like, if it would have have been a book, I would have been like, well, did someone cut out the last 10 pages of this book? It didn't make no sense. So the whole story is Rowan is a firefighter who suffered terrible burns on his hands and feet. Oh, no. And he is now in a wheelchair to recover. And there's no indication if it's permanently or just, you know, until he recovers and then can go back to work. But then Hazel comes to his door, and Hazel is a curvy, very bubbly nurse who is the third nurse to come and try to help Rowan. And every time he pushes them away because of his alpha male views on like, I don't need no help. Basically his ableism and his toxic masculinity. But this woman, she just, 
she's bossy in a very gentle way and just sort of barges in and says like, oh, and she could sense that he is trying to be like a tough guy who doesn't need her help. And she's like, have you eaten? I'm hungry. And then just goes through his fridge and makes him a grilled cheese sandwich. And he says, wow, this is a really delicious grilled cheese. And she's like, happy to help. Now let's look at your bandages. And then he wheels into the bedroom and then suddenly is just like very like horny for her. But then she just changes his bandages and then leaves and says, okay, I'm going to go buy you some groceries. Don't lock the door behind me. Uh, I make a mean chili. You don't want to miss it. The end. (laughs) (laughs) What? What the fuck was the point of that story? Renee, I couldn't. I just kept being like, did it not download the whole file? Like, what happened? And then I, like, went back into my Kobo account to be like, no, this is the whole fucking thing. Oh, my God. Like, so, um, like, bad grammar in the very first sentence. The most pointless story I've ever heard in my entire life. No sex, no even flirtiness. It was just him at one point being like, yeah, she's curvy, but I could get past that. And you're like, what? And then it just ends like it literally just ends with her being like i'll come back and make some chili bye like, you're like what the fuck? i make a mean chili but you should you would not build an entire romance story around it like i'm just saying so i mean zero out of five for spice couldn't even think of an accoutrement because i'm like unless you're looking like i i i don't yeah i mean like some calamine <laughs> Yeah, I'm like the yeah. I truly, I'm at a loss. Maybe Vaseline because that has multiple purposes, or maybe some coconut oil because that could be soothing, but also as lubricant. Put, put um honey on burns. Oh, ooh, there you go. You can have a little. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're clearly into food because grilled cheese and chili take up more room than sexual tension in this goddamn book. But probably a five alarm chili. <laughs> Like, that's the thing too like when you're thinking of sexy foods not chili <laughs> chili no. chili is you're either thinking of farts or yeah. when you think of chili what are you what's the what pop culture reference comes to mind for you we're missing the chili <laughs> march we're missing the chili cook-off okay so there's the simpsons good call yeah i think of when he spills the giant vat of chili in the oh, office right <laughs> <laughs> And he's just like slipping and sliding in it. Like, that's where I go with chili. Like, she could have said soup. She could have said stew. She could have said soup. Like, she could have casserole. That's nice and vague. But it was the chili part that I was just like, now I got a picture of this guy with no arms and no leg access, just farting in a wheelchair while he's horny for a woman that he's whose curves he can get past. I'm like, no. No, listen, you know what? Nothing, nothing cures the sting of a burn like toots <laughs> oof anyways that's what i read this week jesus lord have mercy yeah how about you renee i just we're 11 minutes in that, that's how far we got i'm telling you that's like <laughs> this is this podcast so far has been longer than it took me to read this book like that's <laughs> And that's 
including the time where I went back to Kobo to be like, did you cut off the last part of this book? <laughs> like, it's a short episode oh for you this week. <laughs> but yeah, Yikes. what'd you read, buddy? Um, I read something called Daddy from Flames <laughs> by Ash Moon, and it was an M for M. Ooh, love an M for M. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, Julie, um, do you remember Do you remember I made a vow last week? Mm-hmm. That I was going to get a dragon book in? Mm-hmm. This is part of the Dragon Firefighter series. Oh! I mean, dragons... they all dragons. Dragons would know a thing or two about fire, so... Mm-hmm. You're goddamn right. So... Mine was an M for M M Preg shifter romance. Ooh, and uh, as we all know, that means male pregnancy. Uh, so I don't know is, if it's pronounced alter or altair. Like it's A-L-T-A-I-R. Um, altair, right? I think so. I would say that. Yeah, but maybe it's just the French in us. But Altair. Altair. Um, <laughs> call him Al. So um, Al is a firefighting dragon and he is part of this like group of uh, with two other firefighting dragons and uh they protect this place called old shore port from fires but in this universe um people are very very scared of dragons even though they rely on them so like they never thank them they never work with them none of that because they're scared so in this group of uh, firefighting dragons we have Altair, Raynor, and Delos and Delos is like an ice dragon and then Raynor is like this big huge fucking strong guy and then uh, Altair is like a fire guy um, he can't actually put out fires because he just it makes fire but I get, he's part of the crew whatever um, <laughs> so it really falls to Delos to like put out all the fires so in the, in the prologue uh, the three of them go to like a market fire um, I think, I think this is set in like maybe medieval times. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So they go and they put out this market fire and then, um, they accidentally freeze a cat and one of the dragons is like so upset about it. Cause he's like, no. And so they bring, they kind of like warm up the cat and then they adopt it. So you, you know, right off the bat that they're like scary dragon men, but they're also very sensitive. Oh my goodness. So sensitive. Yeah. Then we meet uh, Grayson. And Grayson is an Omega. Um, and I I don't know. I think I have to draw like a mind map about alphas and omegas and shifters and betas and all that. Because I was just about to ask you. I'm like, where, does the, where do omegas sit in all this again? Yeah, because omegas in this instance, he's not a shifter, right? Um, and they're not fated mates in any way. Um, in fact, Grayson in this story is already pregnant, but has been abandoned by his alpha. So the alpha that impregnated him. Um, and he is going to have a little girl and he's working in a tavern. He lives above the tavern in like this little like fucking storage room. Um, and he's saving up money so that he can leave and um make a home for him and his daughter and um he's he does his mom died his dad like disappeared as soon as he became like an adult and then his aunt wants nothing to do with him because he's pregnant without an alpha so i was like i know what it's like being a single homeless mother and so i 
I hate to even say this, but I like I teared up a lot reading this book because I was like, I know what it's like. I know it's like to be a pregnant Omega out in the world. Like <laughs> brutal. So um so he's working in the tavern, and then one day Altair comes in, and Altair obviously gives off like big dragon energy. And he's like, Hey, I'm just here for information. Um, I'm part of the fire flight group of dragons and uh i want to know if anybody knows anything about this fire that happened a few days ago and grayson's like really curious about him because he is fascinated he's not scared of these dragons at all uh like everyone else so he's fast he's asking questions he's being very forward and altair's kind of like that's weird all right um but nobody has any information nobody will share anything with him nobody will talk to him so he goes home and then one day um delos is like peeking outside the window of their like firehouse which to me reminded me of like the ghostbuster house but whatever um yeah and he's like there's like a human sneaking around outside do you want to what is that what's that about and so altair goes out and he's like hey grayson like what's going on he's like oh sorry i didn't mean to be suspicious i just wanted to see where you guys lived i'm curious about you and you know all that and he's like okay well you need to like you need to go um it's not it's not cool for you to be out here and like you know putting yourself at risk because he's because grayson's a pariah like nobody respects a single father um and uh i feel so seen i am an omega um but you know what? If I had if I had gone through the back door instead of the front, I probably wouldn't have been pregnant to begin with. So, <laughs> um, not a real Omega, I guess. So that night, Grayson has like tucked himself in. He is, you know, he's he's counted the money that he's been like saving up. He's like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm gonna make it happen. It'll be great. Um, and he uh, wakes up to the smell of smoke because the tavern is on fire, and he's like, Oh shit. And at this point, like the whole place is up in flames, but he's like, I have to survive. Like he's, he's like such a fighter. He's like, I got to survive. And that's the other difference between us. Cause I would have been like fire, cleanse me, take me away. Um, <laughs> so he's trying to do everything he can to get out the window without hurting himself. So he tries to like fill the tub. He tries to like wrap a cloth around his face to get through the fire. He tries to like throw his mattress out the window. And finally the door bursts in and Altair is there to save him. Um, because he was he saw the fire so he saves him and um takes him back to like the fire station for the night and um grayson is like i can't repay your your kindness whatever um and he's like hey look you gotta rest like you have burns all over your feet and he's like oh i didn't even realize so they put this like special salve on him but it's made from dragon spit um and I, it came up a lot. Like the dragon saliva as a healing agent was like in every chapter. Um, and we'll get back to that. So he's like, no, I'll stay for the night, but then I'm going to go. And he's like, okay. And meanwhile, the other two dragons are like, hey, don't take in this stray. Like we already have the cat, right? We got the cat. Uh, we don't need another, another pet. And he's like, well, no, he's like pregnant and alone and like needs help. So Grayson's like, no, no, you know what? I have friends and family I can stay with. It's okay. Like, don't worry. Um, so the next day he leaves, but meanwhile, he doesn't actually have any friends or family, right? (laughs) So I know what a fucking loser single parent. Um, (laughs) he's going to end up living in a Suzuki Swift like I did. Um, so there's no cars in this era. So he, he goes down to the docks and, um, he 
is just he has like whatever money he could scavenge from the wreck of the uh burnt out tavern it's only a few coins but it's enough to like feed him for a week so he goes back down to the docks and he meets this lady there and she's like hey like just be careful um you know somebody tried to steal your stuff last night um and they're called the gutter alphas and whatever they, they don't come up again um but he's like okay so he's walking around town trying to like find a job like find anything and nobody will hire him because of the stigma of being a pregnant omega um and so he has to go back to the docks but it's like pouring rain so he's getting soaked and the wind's picking up so he's freezing and then he tries to go to sleep and he ends up like getting like a wicked fever and he's very sick and then he has no more strength left and he feels people trying to rob him uh and it's the gutter alphas and he's like stop it i'm sick and dying please don't and then he hears somebody else go stop and it's fucking altair and he like beats the shit out of these gutter alphas and then he takes uh grayson home and grayson's gonna live there now um so they say to grayson you know we need somebody to take care of our home because we don't have time to do it and you need money and uh you know you're you're pregnant so just stay here with us and you know you'll have somewhere to stay and so grayson's determined to like earn his keep meanwhile there's this whole plot where like they're noticing that like the fires seem to be all situated in the same area so they think they're connected so they're trying to solve the mystery of like who's starting these fires um and as the story goes on they realize that like they learn it's it's another dragon living as a person who's setting these fires but they don't know who it is and um meanwhile like grayson and altair start falling in love and bang a lot um and then they decide to be mates and the rest of the fire brigade like embrace that because the dragons are different than people and then all of the dragons are like learning about like how to take care of him from books and stuff and like they, they all get involved in their own way to like help him like raise this baby um so the baby comes and they don't understand how humans are born because they're like it comes in an egg he's like no it comes out a person they're like what so they're like panicking and stuff but they deliver a little baby baby girl and they name her dahlia and she's a cute little baby everybody loves her um meanwhile these fires have kind of stopped for a bit um but they're picking up again and so they decide they're gonna try and get some intel and they start using grayson as like their human envoy basically <laughs> because he can like talk to people right obviously he's not a dragon but people are like that's weird but nobody fucks with him anymore because he's obviously like mated with this dragon man so he um he ends up uh getting some information that like yeah it for sure is a dragon man and then one night um they are getting busy on the top of the watchtower and then they notice smoke and they're like oh it's a fire but then more patches of smoke start pop popping up and they're like oh my god there's more fires so the dragons take off and then grayson stays behind um to take care of his baby and uh then he um he notices that like there's this like bang on the roof and he's like oh they're back but it's not them it's the dragon arsonist who's been going around studying all these fires and it turns out that like he hates humans so he's like i'm gonna 
we all want to burn everything down so we get our land back. And they're like, oh no. Um, so Grayson uh, pelts him with some like ice ball things that they were making and like saves his baby and the cat, which I thought was nice. <laughs> and um, then they catch him. And then this like group of dragon bounty hunters show up and take the bad guy away. Um, and that's, that's the happily ever after. Um, so everybody's happy. Everybody's healed from trauma and, uh, they catch the arsonist. Now, I don't know what they're going to do for work, right? Because like <laughs> the fires are gone, but, um, when they have to rebuild their, their house, the villagers come and help because they're like, oh, we, we, uh, want to help you because we love you guys now. And they're like, oh, we would love your help. And that's the end of it. Um, this is book two. I don't know. It says it's book one, but I read that was book two. Anyway, it's a series. So I, I'm pretty sure all the other dragons in this um, get stories. Um, but there are a lot of books. So I'm just sort of like, how is it possible that there's like there's more than these three dragons finding relationships further in the stories but i guess we would have to read more to find out and the would end. you want to read more from them uh yeah this book was actually really good honestly how long was it uh 188 pages okay so substantial yeah yeah, yeah. it was yeah it was nice yeah it was good i liked it uh would read more from this author um what I'm going to read for you today, Julie, um, is a scene that gave Big Never Ending Story vibes. Oh my goodness. I mean, my favorite movie of all time. So say say more, not less. Yeah. So in this scene, um, Altair is like, hop on. Let's go for a ride. And uh, he's on the back like, yes. <laughs> so that's, that's what we're going to read today. Uh I just need to know where I'm gonna where I'm gonna stop here. So yeah, second. We are going to do this. Boop boop boop. Dragons. Dragons. The never ending story. Turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a metal I have a metal version of that song too, by the way. It's great. And it's by a band called Dragon Force. So you know it's just like dragon, dragon. Like I was saying last week. <laughs> I love dragons. So. You love them so much. I love them so much. Anyway, here we are. <clears throat> I nodded. Altair stepped up onto the ledge. His feet hung over the edge like he was balancing there, and he looked over at me and began to transform. His skin darkened and took on a deep red color, hardening into a web of scales, horns, and ridges. His clothing didn't tear away, but seemed to be absorbed, disappearing as his body grew and changed shape. I could hear something that sounded like stones knocking together. And I knew it was his bones and muscles rearranging themselves, breaking and reforming. There was a creak of leather and tear of fabric, and soon he was towering over me, his long snout filled with sharp teeth, and he gripped the wall with ebony black claws. And his wings unfolded, stretching out so wide they shaded the sun. I was in complete awe of him. I didn't think I would ever stop being in awe of him, no matter how many times I saw his dragon form. Some men cowered away at the sight of a dragon, but I was drawn closer. And I moved closer without hesitating. I touched the side of his body and felt a tingling warmth on my fingertips. His scales felt like rocks heated by the summer sun, perfect and comforting against the cold wind that blew around us. Altair kneeled and he curled his tail around to give me a step, 
Climb under my back, he said. You'll be secure there. Sit between the ridges. I climbed and he helped me by gently lifting his tail to move into place. The ridges on his back formed a saddle that was perfectly comfortable for me to sit on and I found I could grip the large spines for stability. Here we go, he said, and then we were falling. I couldn't stop myself from crying out in surprise, a mixture of fear and delight. Altair's wings caught the air, pushing my body tight against him as we slowed and rode up towards, uh, for, rode upwards into the blue. His heat radi radiated into me, and I squeezed my arms and legs against him, wanting to absorb all of it, to feel it against every part of me. It washed through my belly, my groin, and my chest, and I pushed my cheek to his scales and felt immediate comfort. It surrounded me, and for a while, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I was flying through the air. I was lost in the sensation of being so close to him, of his incredible warmth that was unlike anything I'd ever felt before. The view below was spectacular. I finally opened my eyes and saw the town below us, the buildings like tiny playthings in the vast expanse of sea, sparkling in blue. I could see the markets, the people, the tiny ants moving about, the colorful tops of the stalls like wildflowers in a garden. I felt like a bird, suddenly free from the confines of the land. From up here, it seemed obvious how small my world was. Our world. Yeah! Oh, that no. car! <clears throat> it, goes, it goes on, but they just, they just keep flying around and it, he's like yeah like a nip okay so i have to tell you yeah when you were talking about your book um yeah. and we're talking about omega do oh you remember a board game from the 90s called omega virus no i don't okay if anyone listening to this remembers this board game my brother is the only person i know who had it and it was like high end technology at the time do you remember that game like nightmare or something yeah yeah like the tv right? yeah you had to put in like a vhs and then like there was a tape attached to it so my brother had this game called omega virus and i think it had a tape attached to it or like anyways and it was that you had to take like you had to i don't even remember like the actual like little bonums and stuff but you the goal was to um fight this computer virus that was going to take over a space station and just like blow up the whole um Thing, but I just remember it was like high end technology at the time because it would had like a timer built into the little computer inside the board game. So it would be like, time is ending. You have and you'd be like, oh, God, like pressed as like a fucking child. <laughs> but that's what I think of when I think of Omega. And then I think of Omega threes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think of the Greek frat boys. Oh, yeah. And now I also think about fucking mates and shifter books and i hate that this is now part of something that i know <laughs> i mean i think of god the alpha and the omega oh i mean um there's that you know. but no, no i don't at all actually um you know but, but it, i just yeah, thought, yeah no, i thought maybe because yeah. we're around the same age and you also grew up playing board games and stuff but i've never like i don't know anyone besides my brother and i who even know about this game but was a big that fan. sounds like way too bougie like we had like Sorry. like clue oh actually you know we never we never had clue we had like um the clue jr um, which was the missing pet we, yeah oh i had that's the one i had yeah and we had um we had this game called 13 dead end drive oh my god i love 13 dead end drive my i like that one game. yeah we never got mousetrap but we had Ooh. like operation no we actually never had operation either like we never had the cool games that did shit and we always had like the junior version of games so we had like junior monopoly we had junior um 
oh, what's that game where it's like, oh, guess who? Ooh, Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. We had that, but we had the junior version. And I'm like, was my mom like scared of us to know grownups? Like, is that. <laughs> yeah, because guess who couldn't even be filthy or problematic if it tried? It's literally just faces. That's yeah, but so we funny. did have Candyland and we played Candyland a lot. Um, and it was like the regular Candyland. Oh, and it was it was spooky. It had that like mud man in it. I don't know that I I don't think I no I never had Candyland or the Game of Life, but I had a friend who had Life, and I loved playing that. But yeah, Thirteen Dead End Drive. Oh my god, that when you said that, that fucking brought me back. Um, <laughs> Nightmare, which scared the shit out of me because I was so afraid as a child. Mousetrap. Um, my brother had Omegavirus, which we loved. I had this game called Party Mania that nobody else has ever heard of, and it also had a VHS tape, and it was kind of similar to um dream phone and then it was like very clearly meant for young girls and the point is you had to babysit your brother and do all of these chores by six o'clock and if you did then you could go to the party where your cool crush will be um but you know you're constantly getting derailed by like side quests and shit but it was (sighs) so fun you know what this is the first time i'm learning that you played board games habitually and I hate that you won't play Dungeons and Dragons with me, but I'm learning about this history that you have. I feel like you'd be really good at Dungeons and Dragons. I just think I'm too intimidated by it's like when I used to go having fun. (laughs) It's like how I felt going to Comic Cons when I would go with my organization to do anti harassment work and all this stuff. And I just felt like I remember the first time I went, I'm like, okay, I don't fit in here. Does that make me the biggest loser in this place or the coolest person in this room? I don't (laughs) know. But I just feel very intimidated by, especially board games that are very complex. Like it took me a long time to agree to play Settlers of Catan. And to this day, any minute of any day, someone's like, you want to play Settlers? I'm like, yeah, I'm on it. Like, I love it. I don't know if it's- I've actually never played that. Really? Oh my God. No. You know who's like great though is- our producer Josh is so good at not only hosting like board game nights, but also teaching people how to play board games. That is, that is such a skill set because people can be so condescending when they're explaining Mm -hmm. a board game to you. And I think it was that like my own insecurities around, like people are going to think I'm dumb. And I think also my dyscalculia, like now that I know that I've been diagnosed with dyscalculia, I know that like I have a hard time reading instructions for like assembling furniture and like, I think that also kind of plays into like if there's too many steps and like if you're just explaining the game to me instead of just showing me like if someone shows me anyways it's like a whole thing but I I mean I come from a family of people who love like board games my family's French Canadian like yours so like playing cards like every night mm-hmm. after dinner was playing cards playing board games I got my parents super into settlers they got all the like expansion packs um I got my parents into um Oh my God. What's the cards against humanity. Oh my God. They were obsessed with cards against humanity. So I love, <laughs> I love party games. I love tabletop games. I love them all. And growing up, my brother and I like loved it and we had clue OG clue, but then we had, yeah, clue junior, which if you're a listener and you've never played and you could ever get your hands on it, it is quite adorable because the story mm-hmm. is like, there's a pet that's missing from the pet store and you have to go and figure out who stole the cat or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, my friend has a Golden Girls version of Clue. Aww. <laughs> and they're literally, it's who stole the last piece of cheesecake. Cheesecake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I have five different versions of Monopoly. No one ever plays with me, but I just kept getting them as gifts somehow. Uh, it's because it's because you want to beat capitalism so badly. <laughs> um, and we all know that. And, and I think we all just believe that like the answer's in there and you're going to find it. Thank you so much, Renee. I really think that when I find the answer, it will be on my SpongeBob SquarePants edition of Monopoly. Ooh. What's your, and on, on regular Monopoly, what's your piece? I love a thimble. Me too. I thought, you know what? I thought you were going to go with shoe, but yeah, I'm a thimble too. I like the thimble. Yeah. Nice. I love that nice. we, look at, us. look at us, look at us, look at us, look at us. Never expected that. Um, I'm going to read you a part of my book to wrap up our conversation today, but I'm telling, and I'm only reading you this part so that people know that I'm not exaggerating when I say this book just fucking ends. <laughs> okay. And you feel like it's got to lead up to something and it doesn't, including a to be continued. That's not even there. So. <clears throat> I mean, I feel like it's implied. <laughs> Is it though? Uh, so this is from the perspective of Rowan. So each chapter, and there were chapters, even though there were 12 pages, um, oh. one chapter was from her perspective. And then the story continues. The latter half is from his perspective. His name is Rowan. <clears throat> okay. So she's bars into his house and, you know, telling him what to do, but friendly, but just really not taking his like, leave me alone energy. Cause she's like, I know this is just your toxic masculinity. So like, just step aside and let me help you. <clears throat> but Rowan says, and thinks, who does she think she is? This is my house, my property. In fact, even these injuries are mine on my body. I should have some damn rights over them. Your money, your choice. I angrily wheel myself after her, but I see her standing in the middle. <clears throat> but Rowan says, and thinks, who does she think she is? This is my house, my property. In fact, even these injuries are mine on my body. I should have some damn rights over them. Your money, your choice. I angrily wheel myself after her, but I see her standing in the middle of my bedroom and I feel something stir inside my pants. Ooh. Hazel opens the first aid kit on the dresser and takes out all the familiar items, bandages, ointments, things I have seen so many times before. She packs out all the items on the edge of my bed and kneels down on the ground. But seeing her like this, on her knees in my bedroom, makes me imagine her lying on that bed, stretched out with her hands pinned down. Those curves don't scare me. I can handle her curves. I can handle her body. If only I had control over my hands and my feet. If I had had my strength, I would be able to pick her up, toss her on that bed, and ravage her body. May I? Hazel's voice cuts through my fantasy. I glare at her, and she doesn't seem to notice. Whatever offensive energy I try to blow in her direction seems to disappear into thin air. She kneels in front of me now. Slowly, she removes... Come on, e-reader. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Make it up. Oh, okay, okay. Slowly she removes the bandage. <laughs> make it up. <laughs> Slowly she removes. The... I couldn't even make it up because it would be t it would be better than what I'm reading, and you need to take it at face value. And I wait for her to. So she's changing the bandages, and I wait for her to flinch to make some comment about the wounds, but she says nothing. I clench my jaw to stop myself from growling. I want to pull away. I don't want her to see me like this. See the burnt skin and the scars. Hazel continues to work in silence. The anger inside forces me to look away. She works on my hands and applies a fresh bandage before moving on to my feet. I surprise myself by not struggling against her efforts and let her do what she has to do. Once she goes to the store, I'll lock the door behind her and won't let her in a second time. This is it. I've had enough. If she thinks she can just waltz into my home and take control of me, I have news for her. All done! Fresh as a daisy, she says, and rises to her feet. That was quick, I thought. 
I stare at her as she smooths the top of her hair. There's a big warm smile on her face and it makes her eyes sparkle. She packs the bandages and ointments back into the first aid kit with her back to me. Of course, my gaze lowers down to her butt in those pants. Her tight jeans make her ass look amazing and delicious. No! Stop it! Wait, oh my god, why is my ear fucking flowing? Okay, here we go. This is your chance. The last thing I need right now is to fantasize about my nurse, the nurse I'm trying to get rid of. Hazel turns to me and immediately notices my flushed cheeks. Did she sense I was staring at her, checking her out? Okay, I'm going to go to the store. I have my list. I'll leave my number on the kitchen counter to text me if you need anything. I'll see myself out. She walks past me and I turn the wheelchair around to watch her. At the bedroom door, she stops and looks at me with a smile. And if you're thinking about locking me out of the house, don't. I promise you don't want to miss my chili. (laughs) (laughs) And that's progress. That's it, bud. That's the whole goddamn story. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That happened. So that happened. Yeah. And, um... Probably. Yeah. So, that was Firefighters Week. (laughs) What are we doing next episode? Art stuff. (laughs) We're doing... It could, yeah, anything artistique is what we are yeah. focused on for our next episode. And get ready, kids, because mm-hmm. I have no clue where this is going, but I'm excited for the journey. Oh, I got something very special. In the like, chamber waiting for us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <coughs> oh, my God. Something, something he's never done paper. before. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. We are blazing a new trail next week. Mm -hmm. Buckle up and uh, take some antacids because you're going to maybe get sick. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Okay. Good to know. Bringing only the best. Bringing only the best. (laughs) Because we're the best around. Well, Well, I'm glad this week is over because, uh, you know, didn't love my dragon book, did not love this one. So hopefully the world of art will be more entertaining for us next episode. But thank you for listening as always, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much. I like calling fancy art farts. And um, I I hope that that we come up with some farts for next week. I love that Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I am immature. (laughs) Me too, buddy. (laughs) No, I am so serious oh okay fart yeah serious farts that's what we'll be talking about next week here on ravaged love yeah sing us out buddy ravaged love ravaged love bye bye artwork for the show is created by karen mcknight very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at RavageLove on Instagram and Twitter, or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.